Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in in what part of the country? Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. That number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578, to be on the air, Bible Talk with Pastor Emory Moss on the Bible Talk program. Welcome to the program, everyone, and I encourage you to listen, I encourage you to call. However, all of your questions need to be referred to our ABLE technician, Marcus. He's going to write your questions down. Uh, and then I will be able to uh, uh, get your questions from him and answer them on the program. I want to spend a large body of my time dealing directly with the subject, uh, which is always the Bible and apologetics, and so I'm going to give you a a teaching uh, uninterrupted on some very important things that you need to know. In fact, to be honest with you, I'm about to give you a complete, and I mean absolutely thorough, uh, lesson on apologetics. If you stay tuned to this program, you will become someone able better to defend the faith against those who attack it. Okay? But remember, if you've got questions, then the number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578. To be on the air, Bible Talk with Pastor Emmy Moss, that is your question will be. Tell that to Marcus. He's going to write them down. And then uh, uh, tomorrow we will get to them and answer your questions specifically on the issues that are here at hand. But right now you might want to grab your Bible. You're going to need it. You might want to get a notebook so you can take notes uh, because we're talking about apologetics. And the very first lesson is reasons for faith. When I say reasons for faith, I mean facts that definitely justify your faith that is placed in the Bible and in Jesus Christ. All right. So reasons for faith. That's what we're going into now. Uh, So get ready. Uh, First of all, every man, that means woman too, should be able to give an answer of a reason of the hope that is in them. So definitely questions are not things that you and I need to shun away from. It's something that we should be able to engage in. But of course, in order to do that, you got to study to show thyself approved, a workman unto God that need not be ashamed. So that's point number one. Point number two, you cannot combat error by ignoring it. You just can't, you can't combat it if you act like it doesn't exist. Uh, and there are 
errors that are told about the Bible, all right, about the Word of God. Uh, and so if you ignore them, then you're in trouble. You need to demolish these arguments so that it can increase people's faith in God's Word. Okay? So remember, many pastors, many preachers, are, and some teachers are ignoring uh, the uh, attacks that are made on the Bible. And so that's something that we cannot ever afford to do. And this particular course, if you stay with it on a regular basis, you will become a person who is uh, knowledgeable of apologetics. There's always things you need to know, but uh, no doubt uh, I'm thinking that this course will give you enough to be able to defend the faith. All right, so that's point number two. Point number three is this, to ignore evil. To ignore evil or error only causes it to multiply. That's right. If you do not uh, uh, attack these errors that are committed, if you do not defend the faith against them, then they multiply, right? Begin to multiply. Once you start giving facts, then you're teaching people one thing for sure, and that is to, to be slow about dealing with the Word of God because there might be more substance to it, substance to it than they imagine, okay, than they imagine. All right. So this is basically where we're going, uh, looking into the Word of God, uh, dealing with things that are said about the Bible, and demonstrating, first of all, the historicity of the Bible, the legality of it. Uh, even, friends, we'll be dealing with evolution and all kinds of things. Okay? But first, let's start with some of the attacks that are made on the Bible, New Testament in particular, and Jesus Christ, okay? and Jesus Christ. Uh, and some of this stuff is just, I mean, it, it, is, uh, it is bad. Some of the things that uh, have been said about Jesus are bad. And some of it, of course, comes from the Jews in the first century that we'll be looking at. Eh? Not trying to necessarily uh, deal with uh, Jews today, even though they know of what I'm about to say, but definitely there are some cruel things that were said about Jesus Christ. For instance, in the Talmud, all right, a Jewish writing, Right, the Jewish writing, the Talmud, Jesus is called, uh, let me put it a nice way, it's a word that starts with a B. I can't say it on radio, it's bad. But he was called an illegitimate child. So you know what that means. That's what it was called. The B word was used to describe it. Jesus is called an uh, illegitimate child. Uh, no birth through Mary, the Virgin Mary, no. But actually... He was born because of a sexual relationship between Mary, okay, Mary, and a soldier named Panthera. Now, that's what's in the Talmud. Literally, that's in the Talmud. They called him an illegitimately born child, okay, born out of wedlock. Okay? And, but not by the Holy Ghost, but actually by a soldier named Panthera. And that is what is found in the Talmud. You can look it up, okay. Uh, so, uh, but one thing that's, that's good, that's bad, it's horrible. It's, it's even to hear those words about Jesus, it bothers you, I know. But understand this. Uh, definitely nobody would call a fictional character and, uh, or, you know, insult a fictional character or somebody who is a fable by saying that they were the product of an illegitimate birth. If you're saying that, you're giving some credence to the fact that Jesus did live as a historical person. Okay? So that's where the mistake is. They don't want to uh, accept, of course, that he was virgin-born. And, of course, the Jews back then, and many of them of today, unless you're a Messianic Jew, won't accept the fact that he's the Messiah. But the bottom line is, if you're using the B word to describe him, then 
uh, I hate it. It's not the, the kind of proof we want. But definitely, it uh, demonstrates the fact that they acknowledged in the Talmud, however wrong it may be, that Jesus existed. Uh, because if he's not historical, okay, uh, and a mythological character, uh, uh, really mythological characters do not have unfavorable birth narratives like this. So that's one thing. It needs to uh, yield to the fact that Jesus was an historical person. You would not call a history, you don't have to, uh, you know, use curse words or things like that to describe uh, mythological or fairy tale kind of people. All right, now let's move on uh, to fact number two. Fact number two, and, and this is a fact that we're about to demonstrate and give some uh, proof of. Remember that number, 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578 to be on the air. Bible talk with Pastor Emmy Moss. When I say that, I mean your question to be on the air. What you need to do is call if you've got a question. Then Marcus, he told me he's going to write that question down very carefully. And then uh, uh, maybe if we get some time today, definitely uh, when I'm on again, we will be answering your questions about this lesson or other biblical uh, questions that you may have. All right, so... Uh, if we look at, the, uh, at what proves that the Bible is historical narrative, what proves that the New Testament is historical narrative? Well, what proves it is its correspondence or agreement with what we would call uh, historical facts. Any historically uh, written book or factual book, well, it has to be historical. If it has facts that come from history, then we can't attribute that to fairy tale, can we? So the question becomes, does the Bible, does the New Testament have that kind of testimony? I say to that, yes. Okay. Go to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Right. Now, uh, who in fact uh, uh, turns us to, uh, uh, to look at the Bible, or what historians do we have to support the historicity of the Bible? Well, one is C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest historians that ever lived. Uh, another guy by the name of Frederick Kenyon, we've got a number of them, right? Uh, because if you look at the Bible, uh, in Luke chapter 3, let's go to Luke chapter 3 and uh, see what it says. Very interesting. Luke chapter 3. All right. Let me start out reading it. Luke chapter 3, verse 1. It says, once upon a time. <laughs> it does it. That's how fairy tales open up, right? Fairy tales start out with once upon a time doesn't say that here. It says, now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, someone who actually existed, Pontius Pilate being governor, another character from history who actually existed, as we'll demonstrate later, of Judea, and Herod being teacher of Galilee. That was a teacher was a rulership, not the highest rulership, but here in the New Testament, it, uh, it's so historical till it, it names even the titles of these leaders, the Tetrich of Galilee and his brother Philip Tetrich of Euturia and of the region of Trachonitis and Lysanias, the Tetrich of Abilene. Friends, this is historical information. You can check any historical book on the subject of first century times in uh, Jerusalem, in Rome, and find these things mentioned. And then in verse 2, Ananias and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, uh, uh, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So right here you see that in Luke chapter 3, this is historical. All of these people actually lived. Okay? Uh, C.S. Lewis says, and Sherman White, uh, I'm sorry, this is, e this is evidence 
that the Bible is attempting to be what? A historical document. Okay? And that's exactly what we see being reflected here. Uh, the New Testament is historically reliable. Why? Because of Luke chapter 3, for one. Uh, in fact, uh, Pliny uh, the Younger, uh, who uh, served the uh, uh, emperor at his time, he talked about Christians uh, who worshipped a man named Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Tacitus mentions uh, New Testament times and mentions Jesus as well. Okay? And a lot of this is just historical testimony. Uh, the writers didn't say, these writers didn't say they believed that he was necessarily the Son of God, but they acknowledged the fact that he exists, okay? that he exists. So that's the thing we have to recognize when we begin to look at New Testament documents. All right, number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578, to be on the air, Bible Talk with Pastor Emmy Moss, as we're looking at proofs of the Bible, things that show that the Bible is, in fact, uh, what it says to be the Word of God. And there's a lot of compelling evidence for this, okay? Another is found, now you might not have uh, thought of this, this as one, but before I go to this one, let me give you another historical. In 1967, you know, you won't hear this in the uh, liberal religious classroom of the universities, but if you, look at the, uh, if you look into biblical studies, and especially if you pick up books on Bible history and apologetics, you find that. Uh, they won't even tell you. I've talked to people who have no idea of the historical support that the New Testament has, but... And they ignore things like this. In 1967, that's in 1967, a pillar within one of the uh, big auditoriums they had in the first century, right? A pillar in Caesarea Philippi, written in Latin. Do you know what was written on that pillar? 1967, okay? This, the discovery was made. And it was written in Latin. Latin it said, Pontius Pilate, pro-curator. That's right, Pontius Pilate, pro-creator, or curator, naming him as the ruler, Pontius Pilate, that is mentioned in the Bible. Giving historically, uh, historical proof of the fact that Pontius Pilate lived, and Jesus Christ as well. Okay? So when people tell you there's no historical evidence for the New Testament, uh, you can get them to think again, because the evidence is abundant. All right? Also, there's another fact. We're going to go to it right now. But for this one, turn to your Bible, okay? Turn to your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read you something that first, uh, you say, well, why is Pastor Moss going here? Well, I'll tell you why later. But right now, let's go there. In Matthew chapter 28. And you got your Bible. And remember, the program is Bible Talk. You need it every time. Matthew 28 1. It says, uh, at the end of the Sabbath, you guys have it? Matthew 28 and 1. At the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. That's where Jesus uh, was buried okay, after they crucified him, right? And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Okay? Notice this at verse 5. I'm about to get to my important point. It says, Matthew 28 and 5, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, 
For I know that you see Jesus, which was crucified. Okay? This is what the angel said to the women. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Okay? So come and see. That's what the angel said to the women. Come and see where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Okay? Now, this is what we can make a lot of historical hay out of. Notice, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee. There you shall see him, as I have told you. So guess who the first ones were to see, uh, to, to uh, be revealed to them that Jesus had rose from the dead? It was the women. In fact, it also was the women who first saw the resurrected Christ. The women. Now, let me tell you something. That many historians, knowing, knowing something about how males dominated the uh, first century uh, Jewish community to were, says this. This is evidence that helps to show that the Bible is historical. Because if it was a fable made up by men, they would never have said that the women saw Jesus before they did. <laughs> what they're telling you here is just simple, plain history. Right? Number to call, area code 866-423-9578. Going to take a break, and we'll be right back. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Imagine if you walked into a car dealership and they only had one model in one color with one set of options. That would be crazy. You'd turn around and walk out. But that's exactly what most remodeling companies do. They have tunnel vision, meaning they only offer one kind of windows or one kind of roof or one kind of siding that they are determined to sell you. To heck with what's actually best for your home, your preferences, or your budget. Call Performance Remodeling instead. We offer real choices, multiple materials, lines, manufacturers, and styles of windows, roofing, and siding. Whatever you want, whatever you need, whatever is best for your situation, we'll listen to you and help you get the right product at the right price. No pushy salespeople, no one-size-fits-all solutions. We also offer the industry's only true lifetime guarantee, which means as long as you are in your home, you pay for nothing ever again. Call Performance Remodeling at 586-540-6000 or online at windowsroofingsiding.com. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it, bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news, all while entertaining you 24 hours a day. 
Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns. And that someone is us. We are free radio. We are always there. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station. Hello, friends. This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win. I've got some exciting news in addition to listening to us on Faith Talk FM 92.7 and AM 1500. You can now stream us live. Live on radio.com. Just go to radio.com, tap Choose News Talk, and scroll down to WLQV Faith Talk. It's that simple. Or pick up the radio.com app. Either way, it sounds great and you're going to love it. Check us out at radio.com. That number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578 to be on the air, Bible Talk with Pastor Emery Moss, welcoming you to the program if you just uh, uh, turned it on, dealing with apologetics, a very important subject, I'm going to be dealing with this on a regular basis, if you want to know apologetics, I mean historical apologetics, legal historical stuff, just plain historical stuff, stuff dealing with science, stuff dealing with the cults, this is your program. I'm going to be teaching a, the, a class I taught some years ago. You take good notes, my friends, and you will be able to help people to defend the faith. Now, I had a caller who called in with a, uh, a good question. The question was, is there a difference between a backslider and a slider? <laughs> What's the difference between a backslider and a slider? Now, no doubt this person has heard me before use this definition, okay? And I have used it. And there is a difference between a backslider and a slider in a biblical sense. What, what is that difference? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 3, it says this. Here's what God says. If we're talking about the backslider, he says in Jeremiah 3.14, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. Now, notice this. Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married unto you. Okay? So if it's a backslider, God says, I'm still married to the backslider. You understand? That's what he says here. Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and will bring you unto Zion. And I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So what he says, in fact, uh, he says to the backslider, only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord, uh, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree, and have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Okay? So he's married to the backslider. In other words, a backslider uh, is not a person who is not saved, but a person who is saved, who in fact sins. Okay? And the Bible addresses that not only here, but in First John chapter 1 as well. 
to confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So you're obligated to confess your sins to God, between you and God. Okay? So he's married to the backslider. We see that. Okay? Now, however, there's another category. Okay? This is the person who's just a slider. Why? Because they're not, they're not saved. Okay? They're not uh, backslidden and, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, one, you know re repentant and on their way back. This person is just a slider. Where can we find him? Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, where it's very clear in the text. It says, examine yourselves. This is 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be backslidden? Nope. It doesn't say backslidden. Let me read it and put the right word in there. Here, Second Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ be in you, except you be reprobate. What that means is counterfeit, not real at all. So definitely, and this was written to the Christian church. So one thing it lets you know, that there are some people in your church that are not saved at all. They're not saved. Yeah, there are some reprobates there. Now, your job is not to go around and find out who the reprobates are. That's not your job. Your job is to preach the gospel, help people when they fall, pray for them, restore them, all that. Your job is not to go up to somebody and say, I know you are a reprobate. You don't know that, okay? They can't be a backslider. Your job is only to tell them the truth, let God do the rest of the work. Okay? But understand that just because a person, just like drive, walking into a garage, does not turn you into a car, Walking into a church does not turn you into a Christian. So we got to uh, recognize those salient points. All right. Good, uh, uh, good questions. Is, uh, is that all of them right now, uh, Marcus? Well, I got, another, all right. <clears throat> I got another one. Okay. This person wants to know, um, why wasn't the books of Peter not added to the Bible? The books of Peter? Because they were a part of the Gnostic Gospels, uh, weren't discovered until 1948 in Nakamadi, Egypt. Okay? The New Testament had been written way before them, and they were recognized in the, in the church as being false. Okay? That's, that's the answer. The only books that uh, the, the New Testament was complete in the first century, not in the second century. And so these books were too late to be added to the canon. All right. Call area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578. Looking, friends, at something very important to deal with, which is historical proof that the Bible is reliable. And here our focus is on history, the historical side of the house that we've been looking at. And uh, it, it, it's a very good uh, exploration. I will give you books uh, that you should have in your library. Oh, yeah. And you should review them from time to time because if you're anything like me, uh, you can forget. I forget a lot of stuff now that I'm older, knocking on 70's door. My goodness, it's amazing the changes that take place in your recall or lack of recall. But we do need to recognize that the Bible uh, comes across as a historical narrative, as history. Uh, in fact, the writers of the Bible, now listen here, uh, either the B B biblical writers are lying or they're telling the truth. That's it. Either they're lying or they are telling the truth. Which is it? Okay? Because they said, they, and in fact, if we look at the text, you'll see that the biblical writers 
did give historical and evidential reasons why what they said was true. That's right. They gave historical and evidential reasons why what they said was true. Where do we find this? Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for instance. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 1. Look at Paul, what he says here. Now, does this sound like a man who's uh, making up a fairy tale? Uh, ask yourself that. Does this, what I'm about to read to you, does, does this sound like a man who's making up a fairy tale? Does this sound like a man who's telling you a fable? Okay? No. When you hear this, either Paul is telling you the truth or he's lying or he's crazy. One or the other. Either he's telling you the truth, he's lying, or he's crazy. Listen to what he said. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, but which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, that's part of the gospel, he died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's what uh, Paul is saying here. These things really happen. Okay? Then, to prove it, to back up his assertion about the gospel, the resurrection of Christ, he continues. And he says, in verse 5, and that he was seen of Cephas, okay, that's Peter, uh, then of the twelve. So he talks about the fact that he was seen of Peter, and then the, 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 the twelve, all twelve of the apostles, verse 16, after that he was seen. Now listen to me. Even this man is lying, friends, or he's telling you the truth. You've got to make up your mind. He says in verse 6, 1 Corinthians 15 and 6, after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. That's what he says. Over five, the 500 saw him at once of whom the greater part remain until this present. So in other words, he said, those 500 who saw him, there's some who were still around that you could talk to. Paul would be a fool to say this if it hadn't been true that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He said, not only can I vouch for it, but some of these folks who saw him are still alive. In other words, you can check with them. Okay? Above 500, he said. Okay? Wow. So this is what I mean by historical narrative. It's pretty tight, isn't it? He said, and was seen of, of uh, Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above, five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain until this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, who is born out of due season. Now we'll talk about that at another time when we get into a discussion of um, uh, uh you know, apostles for today, but we'll leave that alone. But just to show you that in terms of the historicity of uh, the New Testament, friends, their writing is history, not as fable. Okay? That doesn't even enter on the table when we look at the New Testament. Eyewitness testimony is what we get. Paul putting himself out so far on a limb until he said that there's folks, if you don't believe it, don't talk to me, talk to uh, one of the 500 who saw him as well. Wow. Okay. Number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578, to give your question. That's right, give it to Marcus. He will write your question down, and it can 
uh, air on this program. That's right. We're into the question asking business, putting markets to work, getting those questions of yours. And any question you put down, if it's not answered in this program, it will be answered in others, okay? Because that's what Bible talk is all about. But I'm in a very, very high preaching mode at this present time, and I want to lock some things down uh, theologically. And uh, you guys are basically getting a course in apologetics. Yeah. Uh, and it's not anything to a, not a trivial pursuit. Okay? So this is what we're dealing with. And we're looking at all of these facts, these great facts, that seem to demonstrate that the New Testament is historically accurate in what it says. Okay? So if you write this down, uh, if you're a young person and writing this down, you're in college, junior college, you'll have things you can use to defend the faith at those levels. Okay. And so just uh, uh, definitely uh, appreciate uh, you listening. Hopefully I'm giving you stuff that can help you, especially if you're in college, because you have these liberal professors who act like the Bible is a fairy tale. You need to tell them that there's evidential, historical evidence for the fact that the Bible is historical. Great historic historians, one guy by the name of Sherman White, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis was one of the greatest historians who ever lived. Okay. So definitely the Bible does have historical backup. All right, so we've looked at the fact that Paul writes too close to the resurrection event. He writes between 56 and 60 A.D. for it to be a fabrication, even appeals to living eyewitnesses. Also, another fact, another fact is this, a guy by the name of A.T. Robinson, A.T. Robinson. Now, who is he? This guy is a radical New Testament scholar. By that I mean he didn't believe that the Bible is necessarily the Word of God. But one thing, he still was an honest guy. In other words, he knew facts when he saw them. And so A.T. Robertson, radical New Testament scholar, says, even though he probably begrudgingly had to admit it, but it's a historical fact, that the New Testament was written by 64 A.D. Some wanted to say, well, it's not historical because it was written way after the times of Christ. No, nope. A.T. Robertson says the New Testament was written by 64 A.D., and had to be written before the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. That's right, because if they're writing about a temple in 70 A.D., then that means, and, and they were, that's what the Gospels are doing, then uh, it had to be written during the time of Christ and not afterwards, okay? Because th there's no way that if the uh, uh, New Testament had been written later, they would not have said that the temple had already been destroyed. Since it wasn't destroyed, that means it was written, the New Testament was completed before 60 A.D., which gives us an early date for the New Testament document. Wow. Okay. All right. Another fact to put down on your fact list, right? Where it says, now this is C.S. Lewis, a historian uh, who became a Christian. Uh, and I mean, goodness, he has contributed to the historical faith in ways that cannot even be counted. Okay. Now there's uh, some trouble we have with C.S. Lewis, but we'll talk about that later. First, let's look at what he does as a historian and how he proves that the Bible is reliable. Uh, C.S. Lewis, this is what he said, a right? guy who was once an atheist but became converted and became uh, a believer in Jesus Christ. And as a historian, here is a statement that he makes. He says this, I know fables. He says, if anybody knows what a fable is or a fairy tale is, he says, I do because I'm a fable writer, right? He said, like, he wrote fairy tales, right? So, uh, so he says, I know fables and myths. Then he says this, the New Testament reads like historical narrative and not myth. Okay? He says, I know. Nobody has to tell me what a fable is or a myth is. I know it. Okay? 
I know myths, I know fables. And the New Testament reads like historical narrative and not myth. That is what C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest historians who ever wrote any history, said. Okay? So, you have to realize that uh, these guys are out here, but you won't hear about them in your liberal schools. Right? You won't. Okay? But definitely, uh, uh, the facts are all on the side of the Bible and the New Testament being historical documents. And friends, we've just started our discussion of these matters. All right, the number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578. Yeah, Bible Talk with Pastor Emmy Moss. Give your questions uh, to uh, Marcus. You write them down. We're taking a break. We'll be right back. This is Daryl Wood. By now, you've all heard me talk about my pillow and how it has literally changed the way I sleep. The pillows don't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape, and they're made in the USA. For a limited time, Mike is offering his premium my pillows for his lowest price ever. You can get a queen premium my pillow for $29.98, regularly $69.98. That's a $40 savings. Kings are only $5 more. Not only are you getting the lowest price ever, $29.98 for a queen size premium, but Mike's extending its 60-day money-back guarantee to March 1st, 2021. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener's square and use the promo code RUNTOWIN. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dreams bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-919-5912, 800-919-5912, and use the promo code RUNTOWIN at checkout. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Election fraud, radical abortion rights, open borders, riots in our streets, and regime changes in other nations. Meet George Soros, an atheist and one of the most dangerously influential people in America, pouring millions of dollars into the leftist agenda, instigating society's demoralization to control a free people and destroy the foundations of Christianity and our constitutional order. Watch the new film, Billionaire Radical. George Soros and the scheme to remake America. Online at SalemNow.com. See the movie that George Soros and the far left don't want you to see. Learn the truth and prepare to be shocked. Billionaire Radical. George Soros and the scheme to remake America. Online at SalemNow.com for just $9.99 or buy the DVD for just $12.99. Use the promo code DETROIT for an extra 20% off. SalemNow.com. Promo code DETROIT. Detroit Mercy Basketball is back, and you can catch the action all season long right here. Listen to the Titans as they battle some of the nation's best teams in the always challenging Horizon League. The program that has produced over 20 players who have been drafted or played in the NBA has five players who have won an NBA title. One of the 50 greatest players in NBA history and an Olympian is right here on WLQB FM 92.7 and AM 1500. Faith Talk Detroit, your new home for Titans basketball. Hello, friends. This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win. I've got some exciting news in addition to listening to us on Faith Talk FM 92.7 and AM 1500. You can now stream us live on Radio.com. Just go to Radio.com, tap Choose News Talk, and scroll down to WLQV Faith Talk. It's that simple. Or pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out at Radio.com. Hang on the mistletoe 
The number to call, area code 866-423-9578. Area code 866-423-9578. To be on the air, have a talk with Pastor Emery Moss. Welcome back to the program. We're dealing with uh, apologetics, my friends. We're going to be dealing with it for a long time. Uh, apologetics, of course, involves a lot of things. It involves uh, history. It involves systematic theology. Uh, the, the, the whole enchilada is going to be put on the table for you, in fact, to deal with. So if you stay with this program, uh, friend, you're guaranteed to learn a lot, and it's stuff that you will be able to use. Uh, might want to uh, take notes if you can or record the program because you're going to get a whole bunch of stuff here. All right, if any questions you have, of course, I'm not taking them uh, live, but Marcus is on the job to get your questions written down, and he will be asking those of me, and I will be answering them on this subject or other subjects that are of interest to you. All right, last fact we gave you is of C.S. Lewis, okay, and um, uh, what he had to say about a historian who says, and, and also he was a historian and a uh, fabulist, as you know. He wrote that uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, okay, uh, good uh, fiction kind of stuff. Uh, but he knew fairy tales, and he said one thing for sure, that the New Testament is history. He said, take it from him, he is a historian. All right, other facts we could look at is this where the only place we find, from a legal point of view, prima facie evidence is in the New Testament. Okay, that's definitely. Uh, and, and most scholars have had to come around to the fact that, you know, Jesus Christ was a historical character. Nowhere about it. He really did. Too much evidence supports that. Um, but then, liberals who believe in Jesus... They believe in a Jesus of selected passages. Okay, those who want to admit that Jesus really lived. Well, they'll accept the fact that he gave the Sermon on the Mount. That's good stuff, you know. And he talked about love, loving each other, and he had a band of followers. Uh, they don't mind that. But uh, they, uh, they believe in selected passages. What they don't want to believe in is the supernatural stuff that's connected to Jesus, the miracles that he did, right? The fact that he rose from the dead, okay? <laughs> that he was seen uh, uh, in a resurrected body, Okay, by his followers. They want to deny that. Well, you can't have part of it without, without having all of it. And so that is the problem that we see there. Okay? You can't do that. You can't split it up like that. It just doesn't work. Uh, so we do need to recognize uh, uh, that, okay? uh, that the evidence uh, is in the New Testament. Liberals who believe in Jesus believe in the Jesus of selected passages, never all that Jesus had said. Well, you can't pick and choose. Either Jesus said it or he didn't. No other historical document is done like that. Uh, also, another fact to bring out as we continue to look at uh, apologetics on this subject, and we're moving now from this into some other subjects as well, um, those who say that all religions are true, they don't say all religions are true, uh, just, you know, really, when they say that, it, there's no way that that can be put together logically, right? In other words, those who say that they all that all religions are true never believe never believe uh, that any religion is real. It's really true. Okay? Those who say that all religions are true never believe that all religion is really true. Why? Because if the religions contradict each other, then how can they all be true? Okay? The Quran says that Jesus uh, did not rise from the dead. That he was taken by Allah alive and was not resurrected. The Christian says, the Christian Bible says, he was resurrected. Um, one of them's true, one of them's false. 
Any person who says that all religions are true is taking a superficial look at the belief systems of these religions, which is something that we will be able to prove as we go further along in our particular uh, studies. All right. Uh, also, if we look at this, okay, uh, Jesus is either Lord, liar, or lunatic. Okay, now, that's not what I'm calling him. Oh, please, never would I say that. But I'm saying, if you believe in Jesus Christ, he is either your Lord or he was a liar, because if he said he was the Lord and he's not, then he's lying, or he was a lunatic. I'm sure that you recognize that uh, the only option that you have on that is the fact that um, Jesus is Lord. Okay? That's all it is. He, he is Lord. And if you don't believe that, then, of course, just say it. But don't uh, uh, try to say that the uh, Bible uh, and the, uh, the New Testament backs up your assertion, because okay? it doesn't. Now, there's also some good things that are said about the Bible by other credible people. Uh, for instance, a psychiatrist, a guy by the name of Dr. J.T. Fisher. J.T. Fisher, psychiatrist. This is what he said, okay? Now, how much of a believer he was, I don't know. Okay? But he does have psychiatric credentials. And here's what he said. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Now, that's what he's talking about. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Okay? Uh, he said, it's basically, a, uh, he, well, here's his actual statement. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount concerning psychiatry and psychology uh, that basically that his Sermon on the Mount pro provides optimal, optimal mental health can be found in Jesus' words. So he said that all the basics of psychiatry and psychology are found in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the principles for mental health. This is a psychiatrist, Dr. J.T. Fisher, who said this, okay, that all you need for optimal mental health can be found in Jesus' words, okay, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so, uh, definitely, you've got some uh, people uh, in scholarship here, even a physician, psychiatrist, who gives credence, whether he's a believer or not, I don't know, but when he compared what Jesus said with uh, uh, psychology and psychiatry, he says that the New Testament is pretty deep indeed. All right? Now, let's go to a skeptic, a philosopher, by the name of David Hume, all right? David Hume, who did more to attack Christianity than almost any of the other uh, uh, skeptics that were out there. David Hume, a philosopher and skeptic, even though he was skeptical, okay, even though he did not uh, believe in, uh, 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 the, in all of the Bible or the New Testament, at least there's something that he did say that made a little sense. Uh, he, he said, well, can't tell you now, got to take a break, be right back. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. There is one big question still outstanding from our recent election, and that question is this. Who will control the United States Senate? There are two races in Georgia which will decide control of the Senate for at least the next two years, likely longer. In one of those races, the contest is between Kelly Loeffler and Raphael Warnock. And in this race, you're looking at something that is unprecedented in the state of Georgia. The Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock may just be the most radical candidate conceivable from a state like Georgia. When it comes to the question of abortion, he is one of the most radical candidates to run, not only in the South, but anywhere in recent American history. The 
The question is, do the voters in Georgia actually recognize this? We're going to find out on January the 5th. Now is the time for the voters of Georgia to wake up and understand what's going on. The entire nation is watching. I'm Albert Moeller. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Impacting policy decisions today. Preparing public leaders for tomorrow. I grew up Pope, which is even worse than being From poor to CEO, the incredible journey of Herman Cain. My American dream entailed working hard and making $20,000 a year. But I surpassed that goal and became a corporate CEO. The story of one man's amazing journey from a poor, undereducated family to the highest levels of corporate, social, and political America. I didn't have to be taught work ethic. I saw it firsthand, and it had a big impression on me. From poor to CEO, the amazing true story of the American dream that will inspire and motivate you and your family to live your best life. We'll all be able to say free at last! See the movie From Poor to CEO The Incredible Journey of Herman Cain, available at SalemNow.com. Use the promo code DETROIT for an extra 20% off. SalemNow.com, promo code DETROIT. Send wishes of joy and love to those on your mind and heart this season with free online cards at CrossCards.com. It only takes a minute to personalize and send a CrossCards.com e-card that will brighten the holiday season for family and friends. From scripture-inspired cards to heartfelt messages, even party invitations, CrossCards.com makes it easy to let others know you're thinking about them this Christmas. Celebrate the most wonderful time of the year with free cards at CrossCards.com. Hello, friends. This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win. I've got some exciting news in addition to listening to us on Faith Talk FM 92.7 and AM 1500. You can now stream us live on Radio.com. Just go to Radio.com, tap Choose News Talk, and scroll down to WLQV Faith Talk. It's that simple. Or pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out at Radio.com. All right, glad to be back with you. Hopefully you've enjoyed uh, this hour of dealing with apologetics. And friends, that's what you're going to be getting. Uh, a lot of material going to be shared with you. Please stay tuned to this program. David Hume said something. I want to do that right before I leave. Uh, a skeptic, but he, even a skeptical, skeptical person, said this. The whole frame of nature bespeaks of an intelligent author. No rational inquirer can suspend his belief a moment concerning the primary tenets of belief in genuine theism. In other words, even though he was a doubter, he had to admit that uh, it's hard to talk about this universe without introducing the idea of a creator. Well, more of these uh, groups as we uh, go along in our study, stay with us, tell other folks about it. But definitely, this is the place for apologetics. We appreciate the fine job that Anita Campbell, Evangelist Campbell, did on this program yesterday and encourage you to continue to listen as we do what we need to do. God bless you. We're going to see you next time. Sponsored by Bible Bootcamp Ministries.
creature was stirring, not even a mouse. In my mind. Watching the gleaming tree. 
Thank you.